This is not a Memorial Day sermon proper, but this certainly does have the spirit of honoring he who gave everything for you and I. We want to honor what he did by becoming as fully free as he can make us. I do want to say something. I know that there's a lot of people gone because of Memorial Day and so on. Can I just tell you something? You're really glad, you're really fortunate to be here right now. I mean that, and wait till you see, because what's been going on is, is over the last weeks we've been talking about this wanter thing, and, and then last weekend we just really hit a, an amazing place in the Lord where we looked at the most important section in all of Scripture, which is Romans 1 through 8. And, and if you don't understand what I mean by that, if you, don't, if you haven't heard the sermon from last week, can I just encourage you to, to look at it? It'll help you understand something that is critical. And like I say, I, I really believe the whole of the Bible leads to Romans 1 through 8. And then the whole of the Bible comes out of Romans 1 through 8. It leads up to and then comes out of. And in fact, I, I made it last week and I would make it again this. That the only way that we even have the revelation to be found in those chapters is because God took Paul up to heaven. Up to the third heaven. And he saw things which can't even be uttered. But... It caused him to understand things which, for example, in the Holy Old Testament, it's Paul in those chapters that redefines everything that had been for thousands of years before Christ. It's Paul that comes along and says, we're thinking of it as God telling us what the standard is, what the, what the bar is, and we're supposed to clear that bar. That's how we think about the law. That's how we think about religion. We're the ones that are supposed to get over that thing. And, and what Paul comes along and says in Romans 1 through 8 is, is no, it's exactly the opposite of that. What God was trying to show you is, is that you cannot clear that bar. You cannot get over. So you need a Savior. Everything in the old was pointing to the need for a Savior. And then when we get a Savior, even then, think about it. If Christ had died for our forgiveness, we'd be forgiven. And that is awesome, 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 right? But thank God it's not even remotely close to all that was done with Christ on the cross. And this is that second revelation that we found at the end of that Romans 1 through 8, which was this incredible insight that Paul gets when he says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do, and why don't I do the things that I do? What's going on in me? And all of a sudden, Paul goes, oh my gosh, there's a new me. That's what Christ died for. You couldn't, so he made a new you. That's the new nature, the God's nature. The one that, that John says you cannot sin. The one that Peter says is incorruptible seed. The one that Paul right there in Romans 8 is telling us is something that is entirely different than the other one. And what he's saying is, is all this sin that besets, all these problems that we have, all of this why don't I do what I should do and, and, or want to do and why don't I don't want to do. And you get the point. I think I misstated that. But the point is, is what he's saying is, is all of that, all of that is captured in this moment of going, there's a new me. That is just old barnacles hanging on to the ship. Right? There's just something that's still there. Problem, it's still going to be dealt with. Everything. Now, when we did that, can I just tell you, that's the heart of the gospel. This is the revelation of the whole of the scriptures. This is what it is all about right here. And the fact is, as we did that, we went, we went to about 30,000, 50,000 feet, and we skimmed over the top of it because we stepped away that we lose the forest for the trees. And what we saw is, oh my gosh, it's so simple when you do it like this. When you take it apart, oh my God, it's so complicated. 
But when you fly over, all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, and then you can look at the trees again in more detail to see all of the ways. But the basic argument that Paul made was, is absolutely profound, and we did that last week in a very simple way. But nonetheless, it was some pretty heavy lifting, right? I mean, you really got to wrap your mind around what's being said. Now, the thing is, after last week, the thing I was left with, and many others, was, that's a really great revelation, but so what? How am I supposed to appropriate life? Just wait. Because, let me put it this way, as difficult and deep as that was, now that we're coming down out of 50,000 feet and going down, right down to the ground right where we live, we're going to see something that is so simple. I mean, it's astounding. It's, it's like, it's been there all along. It's one of those things, you know, it's been there all along, and we're just going to go, what? <laughs> really? All this struggle, all this battle, all this thing I've been doing, really, it, it boiled down to something this simple? Oh, my gosh. This is those days, I'm telling you, you're so fortunate to be here and to hear this. And don't tell other people about it, because they weren't here and they don't get to hear it. No. No. <laughs> It'll be up right after the service, as they always are, and be sure and send it out. Get it to people. I'm telling you, this, this, this one changes your life. Okay? And put it in Memorial Day terms. Do you want to have a victory day over sin? Do you want to have a victory day over everything that has ever beset you in a way that has caused you to do something that you didn't want to do in the Lord and to, and to do the things that you did want to do in the Lord but you don't do? Do you want that? If that's what you want in your life, you're going to find the simplest way to do that today. So we have a person that's going to pray for us, and he did so, he's, he's a vet, but I'm just telling you, he did so on the condition that I absolutely would not say what I always say about how wonderful he is. So, you just fill in all the things that I would have said so that he gets it anyway. Okay. Chris Rohr, would you pray for the sermon? Wrote up another church, too. Okay, Chris. So, um, in the spirit of Memorial Day, uh, we certainly have a few people in this congregation that have served, but we also have many people in the congregation that have people in their families and histories that served. And Lord, we do want to thank you for all that have served and help us each one to be mindful of the sacrifice, Lord. And do it, Father, what those that have gone before us have done for us. And Lord, it is fitting that the one that has gone before us in such a profound way is your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're about to hear a key message for what he has done to help us. Amen. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to what uh, you are going to say through Kurt this morning. Help it to be impactful. Help it to be meaningful and, Amen. and some really heartfelt ways. And personalize it. Each of us that hear, hears it to to uh, take it to heart for what it means to each one of us individually. Because that's how you speak to us, Lord. Amen. You speak to us as individuals. So help us to do that today, Lord. Bless Kurt in his preaching this morning and help us to hear your word this morning. Amen. Now do you, say what it, now do you see why I would have said all those nice things <laughs> that I didn't say? <laughs> all right. 
Okay, so in order to be where we are, we've got to just recapture one piece of what we did last week. So I've edited it down, and it's the part where Chappelle was reading the thing and I was acting it out, and it has to do with this door here. Now, there's two things that this door stands for. The first one is, if you were just dead on to this door and all you could see is this door jam, all right? You were so close to see anything behind it. This is how we see life. This is what God's saying is, this is what you see, and you don't know that there's all this other stuff behind it. So what Romans, what the Bible is about, is taking you from this view to where you go over here, start going, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff back here that I didn't know about. See that? That's what we're doing. And a book like Romans does that as well as any book in the Bible. It, it opens up all the stuff that we didn't see before. And then what happens is we get, I, I did the second thing, which is when we got to realizing that there was two natures here, and what I, what I did was is when we read about the things of the flesh, that was on this side. This is the old nature, the old you. And this over here is the new you, right? And I had, if you were here last week, I had Chappelle read it. Well, this week Chappelle isn't here. She's in Denver. And so what you're going to do is read it. And I edited it down a little bit. So I want you all to read this with me. And I'm going to be acting it out as we read it, okay? So you get the drift? It's going to be a little longer passage. It's like two and a half slides or one and a half slides. So you got to read it together. Somebody sort of louder talkers keep us on pace. All right? Okay, so here we go. All right. Ready? One, two, three. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, this stuff over here, sin. Thank you. <laughs> Nicely done. All right? Now, what we did was, is we said, when you're back here, when you're doing this, it's your new nature. When you're over here, the, the problem that we noted is, we live over here because this is the stuff that we know. You know the stuff of your life before you were a Christian. The fact of the matter is, is we're all still living over here an awful lot in our days. So we're still growing and learning in this stuff, even though it's dead in us, and even though the new nature is the only thing that's alive. So what we did is we said, there's all of this stuff that's going on over here that is trapping us and screwing us up and getting us to where we're getting separated from God who's over there. See what I mean? And that's death. Separation from God is death. 
And so what God was trying to do is he's trying to take us from the old nature and we discover that there's this magic door. And when we go through the door, we come over into this side where it is the spirit. And this is the thing that you don't really know. This is the thing you don't understand. This is the thing that, that you haven't built a wanter on because you don't know what it is. You hear about it. It bears witness in you, but it's not nearly as strong as the things over here which have well-established neural pathways, well-established desires, well-established things that you do. You see that? So this is what we're dealing with here. This is what Paul is dealing with. God is dealing with us through Paul. This is what he's trying to do, get us to understand the old and the new and what he's trying to do. Now, I want to show you something. On the side, on this side over here, we're going to take just a quick second and we're going to learn something really quick. It's, it's pretty deep, but it's hang in there, okay? When you think about how your mind is, most people think about it as something that's fairly rigid. You know, you establish a memory, you establish a thought process, you establish a neural pathway, and you think, okay, that's pretty well set for me. It's one of the reasons why we have such problems in, right? Because these neural pathways have become pretty ingrained in us, and we feel like we're trapped by them. I'm going to give you one of the best pieces of news that you could ever have. It turns out you're not set at all. At all. It turns out the brain is unbelievably what you call plastic, which is to say dynamic, which is to say changing. The brain is, is growing and pruning and doing all sorts of things all the time. It is changing completely. This is where we get false memories from. This is where we get all, there's all kinds of good and bad things about it. But here's what I want to do with you. I'm going to show you a little clip from a novice about memory and neural pathways the patterns of behavior that we fall into that sort of rutted and get us to the things that we don't want to do, right? Or not doing the things that we do want to do. Now, watch this. On these neural pathways, here's what's being said. This is, a, this, is, this is the big revelation about what's going on right now in brain research. This is the biggie right here. Whenever you access a neural pathway, the very act of using the neural pathway causes neurons to fire, causes the pathway to become what they call, listen to this, stable. See, you would think using a neural pathway would cause it to become more rutted. That's how you think. That's how I think, right? But what is actually happening is, is it when you're actually using it, because you're spending energy and brain waves and all this, and because the brain is always growing and pruning, whenever you activate a neural pathway, it becomes unstable. And then what happens is, after you have, let's say that you're going after a pleasure, right? It could be a pleasure, by the way, that is good. Reading your scripture and feeling the presence of God. That's a neural pathway. That's why I go on my walks all the time. I don't even, I don't even a day without, without God in the morning is just a bad day for me. Okay, it feels good. I like it. Can I tell a quick story? I wasn't going to tell it. Can I tell it real quick? Do you mind? Uh, the Pop-Tarts. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay, okay. I got other ones. I won't tell them. It, 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 Kevin was talking about, he gets up really early. They move way outside of town. They move. And so he's got to come in really early. And I was saying, how the devotional is going to be? It's not very good because we moved. I don't have any time anymore. I have to get up way earlier than I want to get up. So I'm not, I'm not getting time to get into my devotionals. And I, it's bumming me out. I don't like it, right? 
And I said, well, let's, let's just use the brain and the way that it works against itself to help you. And so what do you really love to, to do in the morning? What's your favorite thing? And he said, you know what I really love, what's a good childhood memory, is Pop-Tarts. I love Pop-Tarts. And so I said, great, let's start, let's start here. What you do is when you wake up in the morning, if you wake up early enough to do a devotional, whether you do the devotional or not, if you wake up earlier than you normally did, and you're up and about and ready to go and you've got some extra time there, eat a Pop-Tart. Do you see what's happening? You're accessing a neural network of something that you like. And so it's ingraining something that you like. Time, start adding your devotionals in. And then over time, start, and, and, and by the way, so you don't become huge, over time you'll develop the neural pathway to the point that other things will take over and you won't have to have a Pop-Tart yet. Now, Kevin has probably passed over the threshold of when he needed a Pop-Tart, and now he's just eating them anyway, okay? <laughs> but this is working, right? I mean, this is making a real difference. This is working, okay? So there's a neural pathway that's being patterned in a way that is good. But there's other pleasures in life. And by the way, here's a weird thing. When we think pleasures, we think sexual sin or, or you know, eating something or whatever, right? Something that we know, right? But do understand, anger, the way your brain is wired, anger is cathartic, which, which is interpreted as a pleasure. You're frustrated and you blow up. And that gets interpreted and felt as a pleasure. Bummer. <laughs> For anybody trying to get rid of anger, really bad. Because it's patterning a behavior that you don't want to have. That tech support person in the is doing the best they can. They don't need to hear some American chew them right to left. Right? So this is not okay. So here you go. Okay? So, all right? There's all these things. Now, when you activate the neural network, it makes it unstable. And then what happens is the brain says, now that place has just been used, what do I do with it next? Because I'm going to build more neurons to it. The ones that are there are going to be reestablished as being there. But then it's going to add more. Now watch, here's why this is. If you put your hand on a hot plate on a stove that's hot, and you burn your hand, that'll establish a nice neural pathway for you, Right? But let's say that you do it again. You know, you're just taking something out of the oven and you burn yourself again. What's happening is the brain is doing what God built it to do. It's saying, you know, you've done that twice. Let me help you. So I'm going to build a stronger cable to don't touch hot things. And pretty soon it'll get big and strong enough to where you'll quit touching hot things. See it? So it's a good thing that God's doing. He's reinforcing the things that are good. It just so happens that not all things that are getting reinforced are good things in God. So you're doing this. Now, this is what this clip is about. So I'm explaining a lot to you so that you can really follow what's happening here because here's what's going to go on. These are people that are deathly afraid. I've, I've cut it way down. And if you saw the whole of it, it'd take about 15 minutes. It'd just be, your mind would be blown. Because what happens is these are people that are, they have a pathological fear about spiders. I hate spiders. Anybody else? I mean, I don't want to touch a tarantula, do you? Okay? But these are people that can't touch a tarantula to the point that it has a physiological effect on them. It's, a, it's an anxiety disorder. It's how bad it is. And what they're going to do is they're going to have this guy try and touch. They're going to activate the neural network of trying to touch a spider. They're going to activate it, cause it to become unstable, then they're going to give a drug to them that doesn't let the amygdala release a hormone. Amygdala is where the fear comes from. It doesn't let it release a hormone that would build a much bigger cable 
to don't touch spiders. See, every time you try and touch a spider, it gets stronger and stronger in you because it keeps saying, that's a bad thing. Spiders are bad. They're poisonous. This is not good. But if you stop that neural network from being able to rebuild, to restructure the pathway, watch what happens. Can you tell me a bit more about your fear of spiders? Using reconsolidation, she's developed a treatment to erase patients' lifelong fears. You scare me. Yeah, just fear. Yeah. And when I sleep and I dream about it, I'm just very scared. For the treatment, we will walk to the other side of the room. And there is a um, terrarium, uh, a tank, with a tarantula in it. I'm going to ask you to touch the tarantula. Watch this part. <laughs> They're not poisonous. Not uh, poisonous, yeah, right? Well, all uh, tarantulas are, are poisonous. Look at him. <laughs> Walk to the yellow line. It's very good. You are doing very good. Yeah. Just like with Nader's rats, the first step is to get Jaron to draw up the memory of his fear. See his breathing? See his eyes? See how wide they are? You're doing very good. How much distress do you feel right now? Dry mouth. Yeah. I feel shaking. Yeah. You are doing very, very well. And try <laughs> to look here. <laughs> Don't avoid it. Stay here. It's important that you see it. Yeah? Just put your hand here. And then stop. Yeah? What do you think that will happen? Approaching the spire makes the fear memory unstable. Yeah. Okay. Very good. We go to the other side of the room. Such that if we give propanolol after the uh, exposure to the tarantula, uh, the drug can interfere with the restabilization of the original fear memory. The next day, Jaren returns. What we are going to do is again uh, walking to the other side of the room, and mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you again to touch the uh, spider. <coughs> Touch it here at the back side. <laughs> this is after one time. Very good. Did you touch it? Yeah. Did you feel it? Yeah. Okay, try it again. a few tries, but after just minutes... Do it again. Very good. Yes. 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 How does it feel? You touch a tarantula. Well, like touching a hamster. Yeah. Maybe you like... So far, Kent's repeated this work in over 30 people with spider phobia and other anxiety disorders. It's my new friend. It's really confusing. It's like um, contradiction. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, contradiction. Listen. How yeah. I used to feel. Yeah. And how I feel now is so strange. Yeah. 
Like I'm someone else, no real. Did you hear that? Like I'm someone else. See that? There was the fear mechanism, and it blocked the fear mechanism. And so now it becomes, so think about that. Just keep that in your mind. It's, and here's what we're talking about trying to do now. We're talking about doing something that gets you over here in the Lord, but that has the effect of rewiring this. See? Doing something in the spirit, which literally your brain to process things differently than they did before the neural pathways, to change the habits and the behaviors. Do you see it? Now that's what we're going to do. And now watch how simple this is. Because I, I read this last week to you, but now watch. This is where Paul, having done all of that in Romans 1 through, uh, 1 through 8 and a half, but now watch where he gets to. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for things that cannot be expressed in words. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to you about what praying in the Spirit is. And most of you in here, the church, most of you in here are comfortable and familiar with this. If you're here and you don't know what that means, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, uh, do me a favor. Talk to me afterwards. I would love to talk to you about it. This is a wheelhouse thing for me. This is incredibly important, I think, in our walks. And you're going to see how important it is here in just one second that it's even more important. So don't leave a without understanding how easy it is to speak in, to pray in the Spirit, to speak in tongues. This is not, this is not the weird, it can be taken to circusy places. It is by the Corinthians. And in fact, what Paul is doing in the book of Corinthians is precisely taking people who have been blessed, anointed, have this thing, Lord, empowerment. And what they've done is they've taken it and they've messed it all up. And one of the ways they've messed it up is they've said, I pray in tongues and so I'm more special than you. When in fact what tongues is all about is being lesser than. What tongues is all about is saying, I don't know how to pray as I ought. That thing about growing too deep for words, I don't know how to pray. I don't even, it's not only that I don't know what to pray for, I don't even know how to pray for it. That's what the real Greek means behind it. It's not just I don't know what to pray exactly. It's I don't even know how to pray for it. That's the sense of the, the passage right there. So what we're going after is this. We're going after what is this thing, and the way we're going to do it is we're going to look at Paul in chapter 14 of Corinthians, and what he does right there is he's talking about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and he'll say certain things that we're going to look at. Now, he'll say other things, which he's trying to say. In church, I would much rather say 10 words that somebody understands than 10,000 that they don't. So you who are using it for prideful things, you're stupid. You need to be saying, you need to be praying and wanting to say something that makes a difference in that person's life, not just showing off, not just puffing yourself up. But in doing this correction, he says things about praying in the Spirit which are important for us. So, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. No one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. Let me say something really clear right now. And again, some of this would take more time than we have today. So let me say this. When you pray in the Spirit, you're not praying in angelic language. In other words, it has verbs and nouns and adverbs and adjectives and parts of speech and phonemes and all that kind of stuff. You're not praying the way angels talk to each other. 
It's not like German, only angel German. <laughs> Got it? Okay. What it is, is it's allowing your spirit to join with the Holy Spirit as he would pray. So it's actually an act of free will, and that's a key point to it. Okay, it isn't something where it takes control of you. It's something where you say, I need your help. And so you're bending your knee saying, I don't know anything. I need you to come and fill me. So having said that, now watch, he's saying, what you're doing is you're uttering mysteries in the Spirit, which is to say the Spirit is saying things between the Father and the Spirit, as we just saw, right? The Father knows what the Spirit's praying, but you don't. So here's what I'm saying. Natural mind doesn't get it. In fact, understand, and always remember, to the natural mind, the things of the Spirit are foolishness. That's that natural mind that keeps getting you into death. Cannot serve God. See? All right. Now with that, then it goes to this place. So anyone who speaks in a tongue, listen to this. So anyone who speaks in a tongue, now we can, this is for a public gathering, so this is for a public gathering. But let me tell you, in your own life too, absolutely. Whenever you're praying in the Spirit, be asking the Lord to interpret. Be asking the Lord, meaning to, to show you what, the, what you're praying, to show you what the Holy Spirit's saying and what he's doing. Bring understanding to me. Because you pray for the ability to interpret what's been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't get it still. My natural mind doesn't get it, so I don't understand. It's a sense of something, but it isn't anything yet in me, really. See it? And so what he says is, what then shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I'll pray in words I'll un I understand. I'll sing in the spirit, and I'll sing in words I understand. Now again, I want to say that this is a larger context in which this is being said, so it means more than just what I'm making it say or pointing out to you. But what I want you to understand is, is this is very, very much in the flow of what God's trying to do. What he wants us to do is, when we're approaching something that we need to pray for, pray in the Spirit. We don't know what it is. It's bending your knee. It's asking. It's saying, I must decrease. He must increase. You fill me. You start filling me with stuff, and then let me know more and more what it is, so that with my natural mind, I might start joining you. See? If you let me know what you're praying about, obviously it's a good thing. It's you praying through me. And the more I understand about it, the more that I can join in that and say, I agree with that. And I want that. And this is what I, you see what I mean? You have understanding now. Does, are we all clear here? I think we all get it, right? So now, I want to take a little, so now watch. This is what this passage says. The Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. Now, what's our weakness? This. These neural pathways that have been patterned towards pleasure, towards anger towards boredom and what you do when you get bored. You know, boredom is perceived by the brain in the exact pain Boredom is perceived as pain. And what do you do when you're experiencing pain? You seek pleasure. Okay? So you've got all these neural pathways built up to do certain things, and that's a weakness. You got, you're messed up. Okay? It's taking... Right. Now... We don't know what God wants us to pray for, nor even how. The Holy Spirit prays for us. The Father knows what the Spirit's saying, for the Spirit pleads with us believers in harmony with God's own will. In my weakness, I cry out to God, and God answers. Now watch. 
I'm telling you, this is so amazing. I've told you before, when I'm with somebody who's having a problem, they call me up and they say, something's going on, I need to talk to you. Okay, great, we get together. And then they bring to me, now, now remember, I've been doing this for decades, and at this point in time, it's been a while since anybody's brought me something I haven't heard before. Okay, it just has. I'm, I don't mean to say that in any kind of a demeaning way whatsoever, and wait till you hear what I am actually saying about it. But the point is, is whatever, I've, I think I've heard almost everything that people can do. Some things I wish I'd never heard. Okay? But the bottom line is, is that when they come to me, because of my experience, I could say, well, I've been here, done that, and I know what to tell them because it worked last time. But here's the truth about us human beings. We are infinitely different even when everything looks the same because of who we really are, the things that bring us to these places, the context. We're different. What works for one might be exactly the wrong thing for another. What would never work for this person might work perfectly for this one. So here's what I do. I literally say to myself when I'm doing this, now watch, two things. The first thing I say to myself is, now this is about John saying, John the Baptist must decrease and Jesus must increase, you understand that? But I'm taking the spirit of that verse and I'm saying, here's what I say to myself. I say, I don't know what to pray for, nor even how to pray for it. I must decrease. I must push down my natural mind because, frankly, it's getting in the way of God being telling me what to do. Now, what that means is this. When I'm talking to you about your problem, I'm praying. And you think, well, how rude of you. You should be listening. With my natural mind, I'm listening with everything I've got. But with this other nature... With this other thing, I'm praying crazy for you. And I'm asking God, I'm praying in the Spirit. I don't know how to pray for what I want. I don't know what they need. I don't know anything. God, I'm pressing myself down. I'm literally doing what's foolishness to my natural mind to knock it down so that when God tells me what to do, I can hear it. And then that's what I do. And I do that. There's a reason why there's people here. I'm not patting myself on the back when I say that because it wasn't me. But I let God speak. And most everybody in here at one point in time or another has had God speak through me to them. And that's not me. But that's because of what I do, which is I don't think, I, you know, I know quite a bit. Do you understand that? I get it. I know quite a bit. And I am against what I know in a certain sense, if you get my drift. I am violently pushing down what I know so that I can get whatever he's got. Because that's what's going to make the difference. You see it? Now we all do see it. So what we're saying is all of a sudden is we're saying, not, you're not double-minded by any means, but what we're saying is there's two things that are happening in here. The natural mind over here and the spiritual mind over here. And the spiritual mind is of a very different essence and nature than this one. The spiritual mind is not one of phonemes and so on. It's not one of words. It's just, that's what my mind needs. It needs line upon line and precept upon precept. That's what my mind needs in order to understand. What God is, is he's got a pure understanding and a pure thing that I only have a sense of. And as I continue to pray and continue to get revelation, it turns into something that I understand and then I obey. See how it works? 
Now, this is, by the way, the same thing Jesus did. Remember, I must decrease, he must increase. Remember, Jesus laid down what it was to be God that he might truly be a man. Now, he didn't have a fallen nature, so he didn't have all these bad patterns. But nonetheless, even Jesus did not rely on what he knew. Instead, at his baptism, 30 years old, basically, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized, and he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in physical appearance like a dove. This is when he starts his ministry. Before this, he doesn't do any ministry, and he tells the disciples, remember? Don't be my witnesses until the Holy Spirit's come upon you like it did me. See? Now, then he says, then Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the, by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. That's a temptation. Do you see it? Having been, in, having been anointed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy, who's leading the, the parade now? Now for Jesus, it's all Holy Spirit. What is it for us? A little dab of column A, a little dab of column B, a little dab of column B, a little of column B, right? Trying to get to A, why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things that I do? See it? Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. As he obeyed the Holy Spirit, as he overcame those temptations, as he did what again? Doesn't that sound a little bit like doing what you want to do, what God wants you to do, and not doing the things that he doesn't want you to do? So he got it fixed. That's the power of the Spirit at work. Okay, now. This is it. Everything I've said, about it. This is it. I want to show you something that's so stupid. It's so silly. It was so easy. If I'm rolling around in the mud of my own want, of my own neural pathways, of my own stuff, has anybody ever been in the middle of temptation and cried out to the Lord in prayer? Have you done that? Everybody who's a Christian's done that. And did it work? Eh. Maybe, maybe not. Now watch what you did. In English, in my mind, oh God, help me. I don't want to do this. Or I do want to do that, but I, you know, there's a part of me that doesn't, but I want to do what you want me to do. Oh God, help me. In your mind, in your natural mind, you're doing battle. And what have we been learning from Romans? What have we been learning for a long time now? In your natural mind, you're not going to win. Paul, Paul, are you as good as Paul? Because I'm not. Paul said, why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things that I do? Paul, in the natural mind, you're not going to win. So you've got to get to the spiritual. How do you do that? When I'm over here in the mud, how do I... Spirit. 
Start praying in the Spirit. When you pray in the natural mind, you're still in the natural mind doing battle with the patterns and the thoughts and the things that you know. When you start praying in the Spirit, you go over here and you're suddenly not there. And now you kind of wander to the point that that starts to fade away. I'm telling you, I've been road testing this. I'm telling you, you know, God forgive me, and I mean it. I, this, is, this thing I've been doing about tech support, I know that people laugh at it, but it's a problem. I really feel like, oh my God, what people in India must think about people in America. And, and they know that we're Christians. And they're going, why would I follow a God like that? You know, that person is nuts. Now, you drove me nuts, but no, see, that's where the joke comes in. The witness is horrible. I, I hate it. Some of you saw a post I did recently, about a month ago now. I was on the line, long story, unbelievable thing that God did. In, in one moment, he turned me from this pattern that I've been in. You, you guys realize I've been making tech support calls since tech support? I had like the first computer, okay? You know, I mean, I go back, okay? And I've been being bothered by people from America and India and everywhere else, okay? And it's just because I work hard not to have to call tech support because it can do this thing to me, and I don't want that to happen. Well, by the time I call tech support, I'm way past, okay? And then I try really hard to be so nice. People in the office, you, you know, because they hear me, and they, I'm being so nice and so nice, and I'm just begging them, please, you just can't answer my question. I've tried, you've done, please just transfer me, and then I just lose it. I found myself in a situation where I got completely locked out of my computer. I mean, I mean, couldn't even start it. And I was sitting after hours on literally having Intel and Microsoft on the phone at the same time. Went to the Microsoft store, and they had to call Intel. And they had Intel and Microsoft on the phone at the Microsoft store, and they were going, you're toast. You know, you, you got to start all over again, right? In fact, you probably shouldn't own computers anymore, is it? Okay. <laughs> But what happened was, I suddenly, I just, I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. And I just dropped my head right there in the store. And I just went, God. The minute I looked up from this prayer, this guy, it just started working. And it not only worked, but the reason why it is because there were some other things that, were, like a Quicken thing that it wouldn't update from a bank. Like a, another thing that had to do with Windows, another thing. There was like four different problems I was having, which I get it. You guys that do registries, you understand, and I understand too. It was in the registry. I got it, okay? But I'm just telling you, I'd had people working on this thing for weeks. And there was months even. In fact, one of them for every, since I bought the computer. And in one moment, every single thing was fixed. And, and I'm just smart enough, thank God, to have realized that God was trying to say something to me because all of a sudden he fixed four issues which were seemingly completely unrelated. They were just gone. I mean, I literally went through and I said, well, here's the next problem I was having and it wasn't having it anymore. And this is stuff people have been working on at very high levels and into it everywhere for months. And what the Lord told me was he said, what if when that guy is trying to help you, you know when the person we, the person's going through the doctor and what we pray for is, 
God let that surgeon know exactly what to do? What if you started praying for that technician to know exactly what to do? What if you started praying for that technician? You know how much harder it is to go ballistic on somebody when you've been praying for them? <laughs> but I got to tell you, that was just the first step in this journey that God's got me on, where what he said to me was, is he said, this. Because I think that this is the most, and I'm telling you, I'm road testing this, and it's working unbelievably. Whenever I get into a situation of the, and pattern and thoughts and all this kind of thing, I just remember to myself, I just need to pray in the spirit. Because when I pray in English, I'm still in the same ballpark. And that's going to help, but it isn't going to fix. It isn't going to change the dynamic enough. And so what I've started doing is whenever I get into anything, I just start praying in the spirit. And I'm telling you, it takes me to an entirely different place. Right? Right? I mean, I hope this is worth the price of admission today. Because that's pretty simple to do. It's not that hard to just start praying in the Spirit. And I've been, I've been finding myself as I do it, I start catching. It turns out that I'm a really big sinner. It turns out I got a lot of problems. Those of you who knew me knew that I did. I just didn't know it. It turns out that I got a lot of stuff that I was doing things that weren't what I would wanted to be in the Lord. I was working on the big stuff. He's got it all over the place, and I'm finding myself all the time being quickened by the Lord. Just start praying in the Spirit. Just start praying in the Spirit. Just start praying in the Spirit. Do you think maybe that this is what Paul had in mind when he said, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that are pleasing to the Spirit? These things of God, letting the Spirit control your mind, leading to life and peace. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And by the way, if you don't, then okay. If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you live. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, I've read that. 150 to, I've probably read that 500 times. Honest to goodness. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does that mean on a practical level? What does that mean? Because I want to tell you, I think I have an answer for real, a practical answer. Start praying in the Spirit. Let Him pray according to God's heart. Ask for revelation. That's how you get led by the Spirit. In some areas of my life, I was doing this. I just didn't understand that it meant everything. But I should have understood it because Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. You think maybe he found the key there? Because in another place, he said, pray at all times in the Spirit. What do you think he was saying now? I think he was saying, this takes a, this takes a doctorate to understand. I think what he was saying was, Pray all the time in the Spirit. <laughs> Sound about right? Right? Always be giving yourself over to allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through you according to the heart of the Father and bring revelation so that you start to understand it, so that you start coming over here and start restructuring this world too. Yeah? Amen? Now, I'd love to just take the offering right now, but let me do something instead. 
Because there's one more dimension to this that I'd like to get out. It's not so simple as that we're just broken and that there's this. It turns out there's an adversary that's coming against us. There's a great, the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient servant who's called the devil, Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. Satan is trying to steal and kill and destroy you. Now watch this. I keep saying, Romans 8, Romans 1 through 8 is the most important section. Here's, here's what the whole Bible builds up to, and the whole of Romans builds up to. This statement right here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason why that's true is because there's a new you. The new nature that God is born again. And that cannot sin. John, incorruptible seed, Peter, and Paul's making this argument right now. That's the part that doesn't sin. There's no condemnation because it wasn't you. That's what he says in Romans 7, right? It turns out there's a me, and then there's a sin in me. So it wasn't me. But, you'll love this. What if you could flip this whole attack from Satan on its head? What Satan's trying to get you to not understand, what he's trying to get you to feel is condemnation. When you, when you screw up, when the behavior kicks in, and you do the thing that you knew that you weren't supposed to do, now what do you feel from God? This is what Kevin was doing prophetically the entire worship set. No fear, child of God. No fear, child of God. No fear, no condemnation. I hope and pray that because of what I just showed you about praying in the Spirit and coming over here, that you will never, ever again sin, period. I pray to God that that's what happens with you. But let's just say as an abstract example that you might fail one more time in the rest of your life. Let's just say it might happen, okay? When it does, here's what you have to do. You have to understand that what Satan is trying to do is put guilt and shame on you and cause you to feel like you're being estranged from God and separated from him. Satan is trying to get you to thinking that and has separated you from God in some fashion. So there's a wedge between you and God. See it? He's disappointed in me. He might even be angry with me. He surely can't use me for the better things of God because I'm not worthy of those things. Now, is that true? What well, says that you're a child of God? In fact, what's true, as he says in Romans 8 at the end of the chapter, what shall we say about such wonderful things is what we're talking about here. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now listen to the argument he's making. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Watch. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. God himself has given us right standing with himself. Was it because you never sinned that you got right standing? And did your sin take you out of right standing? Can it take you out of right standing? No, there's no condemnation. The new you doesn't sin. It isn't possible. It's God's nature. God doesn't sin. You cannot be. Do you see what he's saying? Now look, he goes on. Who then will condemn us? No one. Listen to this. 
Christ has died for us. Not just the sins you did before you accepted him, but for every single one of them. He looked in time. He saw all, he's outside of time. He saw every single sin that you did. And he said, I'm keen on you. I'm dying for it all. You don't even know it's coming. He does. It's done. It's paid. No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised alive for us. And listen now, he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. As I said last week, he's not sitting there going, God, can't you just get your act together? Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you. I'm looking at the empty chair. <laughs> See that? He's not saying that. What he's saying is, is, I already paid for it. I already saw it. I already knew it. I just hate what it's doing to you. I love you. I want you to be free from it. I want to set you free from it. So I'm pleading. I'm working. I'm doing everything I can to set you free from this thing that's got you. Now watch this. Watch. When Satan attacks us as a staff, which we're always under attack. Everybody's always under attack in Satan. I hope you know that. If you don't know that, you don't understand what's going on in life. But the fact is, is sometimes it just becomes more clear than other times, right? Sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, Satan so overplays his hands. You're like, this is getting silly, right? And anybody who's been on staff knows, here's what we do. When we really feel like we're under attack, here's what we do. We say, for each individual, what is the last thing that you're absolutely certain God told you to do? What's the last thing that you're certain God told you to do? And then, you know, all that other stuff, it's the stuff that comes along with just doing stuff. And just do that. Now watch what happens. Satan attacks the staff, and what it does is it causes us to work harder at the thing that God told us to do. You see it? It's almost like counterproductive for him. He attacks us, and we redouble our efforts in the things of God. You can do the same thing with sin and shame. When Satan comes to you and tries to say to you, you're separated from him. You've somehow messed up. He's not as happy with you as he could have been. That is a lie from the pit of hell, and it's proven right here, right in those words. And so what you do is you say, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It turns out God's crazy about me. It turns out God loves me. And you know what? I love him all the more because I do screw up. Should we stop sinning? Should we start sinning more because it shows us more and more God's love? But it's true. And when I mess up, and then I go back to God and I find out who he is, because here's who God is. This is the end of Romans 1 through 8, and the reason and it ends on such a great note. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, neither our worries for tomorrow, neither the patterns that I'm in, neither the patterns that I'm not doing right. No power, uh, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Not the lie and the descent, the pit of hell that's telling you that you're somehow a screw-up. You are not a screw-up. There is no fear. You're the child of God, loved by him. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah it is. Right? And when you learn these two little tricks, one... When you're in a problem area, start praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Get over here. Watch what happens. Just watch. 
And number two, if something should happen, cause it to have you fall in love with God even more, that he still sees you with the grace and the love and the mercy that he does. All the more because, right? You get to those two places, and here's where you are. This is from Joseph, and again, I'm, I'm taking the spirit of the verse. Don't you see you, and he means Joseph to his brothers, but this is, don't you see that you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for good? Isn't this exactly what is saying when it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them? Isn't that what's being said? Satan attacks you even if you do fail. It takes you into his love more. This is victory day. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we come before your throne. We thank you, God, for what the, the revelation that you've given us today in such a practical, simple, incredible way. I want you to take your communion cups that are in front of you, and I don't want you to get to them just yet. While they're playing a little background music for us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start letting the Holy Spirit speak to you about areas of besetting sin, neural pathways that have got you locked into behaviors that are not good for you, or that God wants you in that you're not in. Both ways, right? Not just doing things you shouldn't be doing, but doing the things that you should, that God wants for you, has for you. And what I want you to do is I want you to take this communion and I want you to just don't, don't take it until you've let the Holy Spirit speak to you about how to take these two truths on you. Envision, vision it right now. You're in an area of a setting sin. You're falling into the sin. You know the pathway. It's all too, all too awake in you, right? And you're walking down that pathway and all of a sudden right now, as you're feeling that, as you're going down that pathway towards that thing that you don't want to do or towards not doing the thing that you do want to do, as you're going down that pathway, just start praying in the Spirit right now. In the middle of that, that image. In the middle of this thing where you're thinking about the neural pathway. Praying in the Spirit. Watch what it does. more than one. Do one that is in an area that you know is a problem for you and a, a thing that you're doing that you don't want to do, but then flip it. What's something that you know God has for you and you don't want to do it? Do that one too. Start thinking about it. And then when you're thinking about it, just start praying in the Spirit. And watch what happens. This stuff is critical. 
This is not a walk. If you forget it, go watch the sermon again. It's a little shorter than most of them. If you need to talk to me, if you need to talk to somebody else, talk to somebody else. The bottom line is, is get this down in your heart. Get this down into your reactions and actions. Start praying in the Spirit all the time. And start understanding that if you should ever fail, it just leads to it just leads to a better, deeper appreciation of God's amazing love for you. Lord, we pick up this bottom cup in which is the broken lives that we have patterned ourselves right into and been so unable to get out of. Many things we did, some things we did not. And it is brokenness. And that's why you went to the cross, to heal us and make us whole. So we take our finger and we put it in that bread and we just break it. And then we say to you, thank you, Jesus, for taking on yourself and healing me. By your stripes, I am healed and made whole. Take together, would you? And now, Lord God, we lift up this cup in which is the easy, easy. Oh my gosh, God, how easy did you make it today? Just pray in the Spirit. Whenever you're in trouble, in fact, more and more you'll just pray there all the time. How easy did you make it? You, it's not by our might. It's not by our strength. It's by your Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, do not let this truth escape us. Let it become part of us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we take this cup in which is the life that is already just waiting for us. It's already been done. It's just waiting for us to enter into. So in Jesus' name, we lift this cup and say, thank you, God. Let this life that you already have for me become the fullness of my life. Take together. about you guys, but man, I just think the Lord's doing the most extraordinary things. I, I, I can't wait for this to play out in this body. Ushers, could you come forward?